thanks everyone for listening. This is your first episode. Uh, check out some of the past ones. It's reaching the holiday season here in the U.S., so I thought a topic related to said season's ideals might be in order. So what one thing do you think of when you think of the holiday season? Whatever. The correct answer is peace. Simple concept, peace. You stay on your side, I'll stay on my side. My side, your side, my side, your side, my side, your side. Peace doesn't really mean love or even respect. Just a lack of conflict. But somehow, lack of conflict on earth and goodwill towards men doesn't roll off the tongue very well. The type of peace I want to discuss isn't the opposite of actual bloody warfare, but rather the opposite of what brews between those of differing religious views. I'd like to discuss why people dislike or have no respect for others just for having a different religious belief. You could call this intolerance, but I'm not sure that's accurate, because in today's society, many tolerate others. And that's about it. I tolerate you and your stupid backward beliefs. So maybe I can't put a name on it. I'm referring to, at its worst, hatred of someone for not holding the same religious beliefs, be it atheistic or theistic, or to a lesser degree, just a general mistrust of someone who doesn't hold the same religious beliefs. Why does it have to just be bare tolerance and not acceptance? Here, I don't mean accepting that there's only one answer, but realizing that someone else's opinion on this subject really doesn't matter. Not everyone has a problem here, but it's not an uncommon problem. We don't seem to make a big deal about what type of ketchup is better. I prefer Heinz to Hunt's, and I've only seen one argument break out over that in my entire life. I haven't seen multiple websites devoted to the ketchup argument. Or is it ketchup? It seems to me that anyone's choice of beliefs affects others just as much as their choice of hot dog sauces. So why do we make such a big deal about this? To find out, I've forcibly removed three people from a rural dirt road and placed them into a white room with a single white toilet and a pitcher of water. They are told to introduce themselves, stating their names and their religious affiliation. The floor is electrified to show we mean business. Hi, I'm Lucius, Christian. God be with you. Hi, I'm Stanley the Atheist. I believe only in things that can be proven. I'm Edward, a Satanist. I am part of the only legally recognized church of Satan. Did you feel that? Something just happened in those few moments. At this point in time, they each know exactly three things about the other. Their visual appearance, their gender, and their religious affiliation. Instantly, they draw conclusions about the others. And in the 45 clinical trials I did before this episode, many of them felt unfavorable about the others. Now true, there were a few fatties and ugmos in there, but I'm inclined to believe it was the religious differences that garnered their dislike. And hey, I'm trying to make a point here. So why would Stanley not like Lucius or Edvard? Or Lucius have a problem with Edvard or Stanley? So far, all they know about each other is how they feel about the supernatural, and even that, only a small portion of it. Why is this one issue enough to make them mistrust or flat out not like each other? If only we could get inside their heads. So let's turn on the thought-o-meter and listen in. My God required me to dislike anyone who doesn't believe in the same God. Obviously, Lucius is stupid for believing in God, and I have no idea what that other freak is about. My parents taught me all about Satanists and their atheist counterparts, and there's no reason to question my parents. I spent a lot of time reading articles about the wrongdoings of people like Lucius. I've got evidence of how misguided they are. Anyone that doesn't believe in God must be evil. Ach, my thoughts are as valid as the others. I order you to listen to them. Lucius is persecuting me and trying to take away my right to worship as I please. Ah, classic reasons to mistrust each other. Some of those are better reasons than others. If your religion requires you to dislike or mistrust others, well, there's not much I can say here. Thanks for listening. Drive safely. Let's see if we can get to the bottom of this. Stanley, 
You were thinking that the others are idiots for believing in religion. Care to expand on that? How did you know that? Ah! Well, obviously, if you don't agree with my beliefs, you're stupid and just deluding yourself. My beliefs make perfect sense, and you must be an idiot not to see the truth. You just can't handle reality and have to hide in a magical happy land. Wow, is that ever arrogant? Someone reaches a different conclusion than you, and therefore they must be of questionable intelligence and were possibly raised by rogue sea turtles off the coast of South Carolina? You are a complete jerk and know nothing of humanity. If you are so smart, prove to me there is no god or devil. Right now, I command you. Well, I can't prove it, but you can't prove there is a god or devil. Logically, neither god nor Satan makes sense. Lucius, our thetometer showed you were then considering how your parents raised you with fine morals. Would you care to expand on that? My parents raised me to be a fine, upstanding citizen. They showed me the truth about religion or the lack thereof. I never doubted my parents ever before. Except during those eight years of puberty where I was convinced they only birthed me as their personal torture victim. Oh, and all those times that they didn't buy me Legos. But aside from that, they've never steered me wrong, so there's no reason to question them. They taught me that anyone that doesn't invest spiritually in the true God, mine, is to be mistrusted. These guys don't get their morals from God, so they can't be trusted. Stanley here believes in nothing, therefore he has no accountability. Well, and, that's not true. And Edward admits he's wrong by worshipping the teller of all lies. You are grossly misinformed of my beliefs. Stanley, you were thinking about evidence? Yes, I visit websites and subscribe to several science magazines that show all the harm Lucius and his kind inflict on others. His kind are trying to replace science and religion in school with their so-called intelligent design. There are Christian pharmacists that won't give out birth control. They bomb abortion clinics, and there's nothing breeze like better than a little something-something from the altar boys if you catch my drift. They propose peace and love, but their actions say the opposite. Lucius, something about evil? Yeah, you cannot be good unless you have God in your heart. By definition, you are evil if you do not accept the Lord and Savior. And despite that, God will forgive you if you repent. Until that time, you are pure evil. It says so right here in Matthew twenty-one seventeen. Uh, that, that passage says, And he left them and went out of the city into Bethany, and he lodged there? Uh, yeah. Think about it. Edward, you only managed to get in one thought edgewise. Care to elaborate? Da, I'm Stanley on this one. Lucius's group is persecuting both of us. He doesn't respect anyone else's right to believe how they choose. Is his way or no way? They're trying to take over key offices in the government so they can push their Christian views. This country is founded on secular ideas, and they won't be happy until everyone believes as they do. They must be stopped. Okay, so these three people really don't care for one another, based entirely on their views regarding religion. Well, I guess the first question is, why can't these people agree on religion in the first place? If the answer to religion is as obvious as each of them thinks, why is there any disagreement at all? I mean, why can't we all look at the same data and see the same result? The answer is probably buried deep in the rectum, or barring that somewhere in human nature. I think one area that is often overlooked is priorities. Everyone has different priorities in life. Explain yourself. Well, what are you looking for when you buy a car? Handling, speed, smooth ride, cargo space, passenger space, gas mileage, safety, price, looks? It's not pick one or two. It's order them from the most important to the least important, and that directly affects which car you buy. Some people hate minivans because they feel they're ugly, slow, and have poor handling. People that like them like their cargo space, passenger space, the smooth ride, and safety features. Those people don't understand why you'd want something fast with awesome handling that only seats two people. Different priorities. When it comes to lifestyles, religious, not sexuality, we all have different priorities. Or maybe even sexuality, too. Some have a need to explain things around them. Some people want a purpose. Some want to do what meets their definition of good. 
Now, two priorities I tend to hear atheists getting hung up on are some value absolute truth while others just want what feels good. Just doing what feels good can mean doing things that seem right but may in fact be harmful, such as using prayer to heal. You may feel better, but in fact your entrails are rotting away. Valuing absolute truth means wanting to know you have an incurable disease. If there's nothing that can be done, knowing can be detrimental to your health as you lose hope. Kind of the anti-placebo effect. They both have their pluses and minuses. I'm not saying either one is actually better than the other. If it's valid to say someone is stupid because their only reason for doing something is that it makes them happy, then explain why you enjoy a song or a painting or a joke. Unless you're Anthony Hopkins, we all have emotions, and that drives us to some level. The priority of wanting to be happy is different for all of us. Atheists tend to put that lower than the truth. Those of faith higher. But that's not the only reason. We like things based not on a single reason, but on an order of priorities. We may both love gap bands, you dropped a bomb on me. For me, I like best that it reminds me of days past reminding me of good times with friends. And the second best is that bass sound that goes dun 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 dun. You, however, may mostly enjoy disco songs with strong beats, and second, the violent reference to high explosive used to describe women. Religion, disco, music of the 80s, minivans, it's all about priorities. Do you really think someone believes in a religion or not just because of one reason? Because it makes them feel better when grandma dies? Don't worry, Jenny. Grandma's not really in that box with hundreds of pounds of dirt over her ensuring no possible escape from the millions of maggots that are not only eating her flesh but laying eggs into her. She's floating above you, watching over you every day, whether you're playing in the sand, getting married, cheating on a test, losing your virginity, or suffering from the worst gas pains in your life. Gamma is there, and she has nothing better to do for eternity than follow you around until you join her. <laughs> Another difference between us all is life experience. We've all seen different things, such as being exposed to other suffering. Some have seen this, some haven't. Some of us have seen people take advantage of others. Others have been on the receiving end or seen the results. Some want to abuse you, some want to be abused. We've all lived through different times with differing economic growth or lack thereof and various political issues. Some have experienced the loss of a loved one and some haven't. Yeah, duh. But what's even more important than just having different experiences is how many of the results have you seen from those experiences? Let me give you an example. Maybe you were living in an apartment building that was torn down to make way for a glorious new tractor factory. All you know is you are now out of a home and thus hate the tractor factory. However, that tractor factory brought hundreds of new jobs to others who were in a similar situation to you. Perhaps your neighbor lost his house, but he also got a job at the tractor factory, which allowed him to move into a better house. I'm not saying one is right or wrong, but it depends on what side of the fence you're on. If you got the job, you're happy. If you lost your house, you're not. Some people never get the opportunity to see all the outcomes, and maybe it's their own short-sightedness, but it's also human nature to get angry when things are taken from you, especially when it's something important like a home. But it doesn't have to be something so important. It could be living on a road that gets widened. You're now mad because of the increased noise from more traffic. But all the commuters are now happy because they have less travel time. So maybe someone of faith, or lack thereof, has seen more or less in life than you have. Maybe you've seen such suffering and realized that no just God could allow this to happen. Or maybe you've seen how people have banded together to help the less fortunate and thought that God gives us obstacles so we can overcome them. I mean, you don't learn and grow too much when you always do things right. You have to be challenged. Different life experiences factor into our choices of beliefs. None of us has seen everything. 
so we're going to reach different conclusions. Hey, announcer guy, can we go? I gotta go in the oven. Another problem area for mankind is that we all have different ways of thinking. Yep, it's true. First, let me point out that everyone believes his or her own thinking is logical. People do stupid things, but it makes sense to them at least at the time. How many times have you done something dumb and after it was done you didn't understand why you did it? I mean, it may have been something really stupid, such as the sudden realization that a pig Latin-speaking Jamaican alien would add a lot of credibility to your sci-fi movie. In this case, Jar Jar Binks still made it into theaters. I think we're all guilty of doing something that makes sense at the time, and we later realize how illogical it really was. For an example from your own life, just pick any past relationship. But for the record, emotions are logical. They're very logical. Let's take a test and find out. You give a child ice cream! He's going to be A. Happy B. Sad C. Angry D. Suffer from erectile dysfunction from feelings of inadequacy How about another one? You take away a child's favorite stuffed bear, Bobo. He's going to be A. Happy B. Sad C. Angry D. First angry, then sad Or, you push a naked 12-year-old boy into the girls' locker room at school. He'll be... A. Mad. B. Embarrassed. C. Aroused. D. All of the above. Now, that last one depends on how self-confident he is. But overall, you see, very logical. Unless you're psycho, or a woman. I'm just playing, ladies. You know I love you. Some people lean more towards pure logic. Others lean toward emotion. But wait! That's not it. There's also something I call anti-logic. It's a type of logic that is so foreign to me, I can't explain it, but can only give bad examples. Examples such as, your boss wants a report finished on Wednesday or Friday, but not Thursday. And when you press him, he claims that Thursday his son has a doctor's appointment. And you're left wondering, what is wrong with the report sitting in his inbox if he's not there? But to him, time is apparently non-linear, as if having it ready when he wasn't there would send it off into the ether to be consumed by prepubescent elves. That's a bad example, but I've seen this kind of anti-logic used a lot, and it's hard to argue with because it's so illogical. To me, at least. They're not stupid, but I suspect their reasoning just doesn't use the same preconceptions that most people use. And I'm sure there's still other ways of thinking, perhaps whatever drives those guys on jackass. And if emotions can be logical, so can religion. If I follow these rules, I live for eternity? Bitchin', I am there, dude. Praise Jesus. Now, if you're going to try to poke holes in that argument, as I have in past episodes, the basic premise has some logic. If you start with the idea that this book is true, and that's a big assumption, then it's logical to follow it. Remember, priorities. For some, it's not a priority to confirm the validity of the book. Just as you don't confirm that your car is in working condition before you leave for work, which your owner's manual probably says you should do. Another difference is that we all have differing levels of pattern recognition. To me, the most amazing part of the human mind is its ability to recognize patterns. This round reddish thing looks like an apple. That cloud looks like a guy with a knife in his back. This growth on my neck looks like it's getting bigger. But people have different abilities here. They're not better or worse, just like green eyes aren't superior to brown, just different. It might be called superior to see shapes in clouds. It shows more creativity. That same creativity might make you think a smudge on a photo looks like the ghost of Christmas past. See, not really better, just different. Good in some cases, like seeing images in clouds. 
bad in others, like seeing the spirit of a Dickens character. Unless you're a heartless bastard who can only learn to enjoy life by seeing that no one will care when you're dead. But that's visual pattern recognition. What about situational patterns? The last five times I prayed for this diaper rash to go away, nothing happened. But I forgot about all those when it finally did work. That's not stupid. It's normal for the brain not to record non-events. And not having your prayer answered would be a non-event. But a different type of recognition would be to then realize that, hey, this rash usually only lasts about two days anyway, and the sixth time I prayed was on the morning of the second day. Okay, now I'm bust on atheists. Those abortion clinic bombings are actually rare. How many people of faith are there? Billions. How many participated in bombings? Less than that. Even if there was 100,000 people, that's nowhere near even 1%. Yes, people have blamed religion on some terrible things, and I'm sure it's been responsible for many of them. But is that really the pattern? Think of the people you know that are on the other side of the religious coin, whichever side you're on. How many of them are bombing your buildings or removing your sacred text from courthouses? Probably not many. Another difference among us is how we handle the possible outcomes in a given situation. The hell does that mean? Well, some people go by the worst-case scenario. Others go by a statistically likely scenario. And still others go by a combination, the worst statistically likely scenario. I get a bonus every time I use the word scenario. Again, what the hell does that mean? Well, let me give you an example. You may go around a sharp curve in your car and think, it's possible that a baby is taking a nap on the yellow line. Therefore, if I slow down to a meter an hour, I'll have a clear conscience that I haven't murdered the babies of irresponsible parents. Or you may go full speed thinking, yeah, there could be napping toddlers in the road, but there weren't any of the 4,892 previous times I went down this road, so they likely won't be there today. Or you could be in the middle. Just because there weren't ever any siestatized newborns in the road doesn't mean there can't be any today. But there probably won't be, so I'll just take my foot off the gas and I won't apply the brakes. Another example would be a, a mother worrying when their teenage child is an hour late on Saturday night. The mother can visualize the child laying in a ditch, slowly filling with their own blood. Their hands duct taped together behind their back with a gag in their mouth as the assailant hovers over them cleaning the blade on the girl's torn blouse. The wet knife wounds on the girl's arms appear almost vaginal in the reflected light of the... <clears throat> anyway... But most likely, teenagers would rather just hang out with friends than come home early. The fact that we have a population problem proves that most people live at least long enough to reproduce. Therefore, virginity must be the secret to long life. You might think it's completely ridiculous to live your life by the worst-case scenario. But consider, in some cases, with just a little more effort, you can ensure the safety of both you and others. It's hard to argue against that. How many times have you said your company, that manufactures lamp cord, was stupid because they used a thinner insulating jacket, all to save 28 cents a year. And then what happens? Little Cindy Lou Who goes gnawing on the cord one night, and it turns out that the Grinch really did steal Christmas. Only in this case, the Grinch was your company as they get their ass sued in a giant class action suit. Problem is, is the upfront cost going to offset the likely outcome? How often will children be chewing on our lamp cords? Sure, they smell great, but we added the extra butyl to ensure the taste is just awful. If you go by worst-case scenario in religion, you've just bet on Pascal's wager. Feel free to refer to my previous episode on that. I seriously feel Pascal's wager is massively flawed. However, 
I mention it here because there are other areas where the logic of worst-case scenario makes sense. Statistically, your house isn't going to catch fire, but you probably should have a smoke alarm and a, and a fire extinguisher in your house. I doubt most people get into head-on collisions, but we have airbags and seatbelts anyway. We use this in much of our lives, with cost usually being the limiting factor that prevents us from handling the worst-case scenario. So at least you can understand why someone would think believing in a God is safer than not. A big part of making decisions is how likely you believe you are to meet your goal. It's just one more factor of why people don't agree. I'll also point out that we each have different comfort levels. The thought that everything you know is wrong is probably not pleasant. To many, this might send them into an endless loop where they realize if this one thing is wrong, then what else is wrong? If you're not used to questioning things, that's got to be terrifying. When something you've lived with all your life is suddenly wrong, it's safer just not to question anything ever. I personally feel nothing is so sacred that it cannot be questioned, including the idea of questioning everything. Maybe I should just go with the flow. I'm, it might make me happier. But let me pose this question to atheists, and I'm one of you. What if you're wrong? What if there is a God, and maybe all those errors you find in the Bible are purely human mistakes? Yeah, it has errors in it because we're fallible, and we're the ones responsible for making copies. Maybe we're just an experiment, and some deity is watching and chooses when to interfere. Maybe it intentionally gives us a bunch of lies and inconsistencies just to see how we'd react. I get the vibe that many atheists claim to question things, but don't really like to question their own beliefs. Now, atheism and evolution really have nothing to do with one another, but many atheists believe in evolution. So what if evolution is wrong? I'm not saying it was God, but what if it was some third option like aliens or time-traveling vacationers from the future creating a paradox? I mention this because it seems religious folks get the badge of being closed-minded, and I think it's just a general human trait to not question things. And I don't even think it's really because of fear of being wrong. It's more about simply trusting where you got the information to begin with. My parents told me this, therefore it can't be wrong. But the quality of the source has nothing to do with the truth. Okay, what's another reason we don't all agree on religion? What about education? We all have differing levels of education. Duh. But I don't just mean formal education like schooling, but any kind, such as on-the-job training, watching History Channel specials, just simple human observation, a.k.a experience, which is very useful, or having it electronically injected into your brain. Others may be ignorant of some things that you learned, and vice versa. Your knowledge of things is what leads you to your conclusions. Duh. This difference of knowledge easily leads to different conclusions. Again, duh. But the fact that someone hasn't had the same education as you certainly doesn't make them stupid. Ignorance is not stupidity. Are you stupid because you failed to see the news report where a restaurant was being investigated for food poisoning and then ate there the next night and contracted food poisoning? Okay, so what big thing did I leave out? Intelligence levels, you dumbass. Yep, we all have different levels of intelligence. Now, before I go into this one, I'm mentioning this one last simply because I think it's the least important. Someone that's truly stupid is rare. If you're accusing everyone of being stupid, then consider the previous issues I've mentioned. There are reasons that someone might not reach the same conclusion. Some of the smartest people in history have believed in God. Other smart people have been atheists. Intelligence has nothing to do with whether you believe in God or not. 
One thing I have seen more often than sheer stupidity that is easily mistaken for stupidity is the difficulty in wrapping your mind around multiple variables at a single time, especially if it's in an area that you're not familiar. Maybe to an atheist, you can think of numerous scientific reasons why God doesn't exist all at once. So he thinks Christians are stupid because they can't see things as clearly. Now, while many atheists enjoy learning about science, astronomy, and geology, and I'm one of them, the average person couldn't give a rat's ass about that. Being ignorant of something that doesn't interest you is not stupidity, even if you're ignorant of something really important. But let me give you an example of something similar. A construction contractor should be able to contemplate dozens of issues when designing, say, a strip mall. They have to think about local codes, aesthetics, cost, time to build, complexity to build, which affects quality. You would say they're definitely not stupid because they can do that. But that doesn't mean they can follow complex political issues that involve multiple variables. What if this contractor is then denied from putting in the strip mall where he plans? He might be mad without understanding all the issues. Well, maybe there's a flooding problem caused by too much impervious land already in the area. The parking lot of his strip mall would just exacerbate the problem. Maybe he plans to build in a greenway that local wildlife uses for travel, which could lead to more deer in the street, raccoons in trash cans, and a sudden spike in the number of wild bear attacks. Maybe the traffic in that area is already beyond problematic, and introducing another damn stoplight would just create massive problems. But he's not an expert in traffic, animal behavior, or floodplains, although he probably should be on the last one, and isn't capable of following all of those issues at one time. That doesn't make him stupid. We tend to be selfish and are primarily concerned with ourselves. So sometimes, being able to follow multiple variables at once is less an issue of intelligence and more an issue of selfishness. Screw them raccoons, I could have made thousands on this mall. Okay, so I've rattled off a bunch of areas where we're different and why we reach different conclusions. So what? Well, in the spirit of the season, wouldn't it be just swell if rather than everyone bickering over whether cashiers should say Happy Holidays or Merry Christmas, we just accepted that others believe differently, and their beliefs really don't affect us any more than whether or not your neighbors prefer Cocoa Puffs, Captain Crunch, or Fruity Pebbles. Yes, people will always be pushing their agenda. Everyone does that. If you're listening in any type of democratic state, then that's democracy. The popular idea usually wins over the good ones. We try to put people in buckets of for me or against me. When you decide an organization is against you, it's human nature to assume that everyone in that organization is against you. Further, we tend to see similar organizations as also being against us. Just because a Christian pharmacist denies someone birth control does not mean that all Christians agree with that decision any more than it means all pharmacists agree with it. Furthermore, I said Christian, which is a very large general group. There are dozens, if not hundreds, of forms of Christianity, each with their own special little quirks. If you're reading articles about how terrible the other guy is, consider you're probably focusing on the negative side of your opponent. No one is going to subscribe to a mountain biking magazine that tells you why you should be kayaking instead. That's just the nature of specialized magazines and websites, that they come across being positive about their topic and negative about others. It's a byproduct. And this byproduct just further emphasizes that there is a difference, when I really don't think there is that much of a difference. How can I say that? The other guys are lobbying to take away my rights, either by making me pray in school or preventing me from praying in school. Yeah, but my neighbor isn't there with those protesters. The people I work with aren't there either. Look around. Most people are lazy when it comes to politics. Yeah, some people are fighting to take away your rights. But man, that's a lot of effort. 
people you come in contact with are probably not those people. There's a subtle distinction here. Yes, people are trying to take away your rights. Are you sure you're taking out your anger on the correct people? But they're a part of an organization that supports it. Their money goes to taking away my rights. Yeah, you also pay taxes. Do you agree with everything your government does? But I have no choice but to pay taxes. These people willingly join this group. Okay. Do all Republicans agree with each other? What about Democrats? They joined their groups willingly, and I've heard enough arguments at the water cooler to assure you that they do not agree on everything. I mean, Christians can't even agree whether they think homosexuality is a sin, and their book is pretty straightforward about hot man-on-man -man action. I got an episode on that one, too. Wow, I'm just plugging on my backward today. Do all atheists agree on the age of the Earth, or universe? What about the existence of intelligent life on other planets? As an atheist, I can attest that I've disagreed with others on these. Unfortunately, and it's apparently counterintuitive, but you can't look at a large organization and easily determine what its members stand for. The larger the group, the less likely you can determine what it stands for. Okay, let me qualify that. You can assume the major beliefs of the organization are held by a member. How do you determine the major beliefs? If you're talking religion, you can't just point to their book and say, that's what they believe. Why not? Well, something that tends to bother atheists is that people of faith often pick and choose what they want to believe from their own Bible. I'm not being judgmental, I'm just acknowledging it. Well, if you already know the members don't follow their own rules, you certainly can't say that that rule book is their major belief. As such, how can you lump all religious people together? The major beliefs are what almost everyone in the organization believes. In the case of Christians, basically it's that some guy named Jesus lived and died and now exists with God. In the case of atheists, it's that they don't believe in a deity. That's about it. It doesn't matter that people don't follow their own rules. Your actions speak more about your beliefs than your printed words. If you meet a group called the Negroes Against Chevron Skink Defamation, you can probably assume that the members are black and and really don't like spiteful lies spoken about a rare New Zealand lizard. But if they protest against diapers in a landfill, can you assume that all the members of NACSD are against burying bags of feces? If there's only six members, then yeah, probably, but what if they have over 100,000 members? And the last time I checked, which was less than a week ago, when people join or leave a religion, they aren't required to take a test to verify their beliefs 100% coincide with others. Hell, most of the time with religion, you're in whatever group just because you say you are. How many people of faith do you know that don't even go to church? And that's a pretty basic thing. I mean, they're going to fail just on poor attendance. If you don't like an organization, fine, hate the organization. But recognize, at the end of the day, most of us want the same thing. Just to be happy and left alone. We tend to seek pleasure and avoid pain. Wow, that's Psychology 101 there. We just have different ways of getting there. Don't take out your dislike for the organization on people that may or may not even be a part of it. Okay, this is kind of a tangent, but, but one last argument. I hear this all the damn time. It's that more wars are started for religious reasons than in anything else. Now, I could be completely off base here, and maybe a history major will correct me on this, but I think that statement's a complete crock of shit. I suspect it's easy to rally people behind a religious difference so that they accept war, but I strongly believe most wars have an economic basis. Quickly, name all the wars that are even purported to have a basis on religion. Uh, the Crusades. Uh, there, there was some crap between the Catholics and the Calvinists in France in the 1500s. Um, uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, that, that's all I got, too. 
but one of them was, you know, a long time, but okay. Okay, what about completely non-religious wars? Uh, the Franco-Prussian War, uh, Vietnam, uh, the Gulf War, World War One, Two, Three, uh, the American Revolution, the Russo-Japanese War, the American Civil War, the English War of the Roses, the Nine Years' War. Hell, almost all of them. Wait, 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 wait. Now the U.S. is currently at war. How many people think it's a religious war? Raise your hands. How many think it's economic? How many think it's a conspiracy? How many think it's for freedom? How many think it's something altogether different? Okay, now I know you couldn't see the results, but but I could, and, and a lot of people raise their hands for each question. Hell, most people have no idea why we're fighting. That's war. Any large-scale conflict is going to be complicated. The issues are usually many, but the average person doesn't want to die because their country wants access to a seaport. That's hard to get riled up about. These damn Brussels sprouts cost 82 cents more a pound, all because we're in a landlocked country. That's it. I'm joining the army and will willingly die so my grandson can eat cheaper miniature cabbage. Now, you could argue that because it rallies people to fight, that it's just as good as a real cause. I would disagree, because it seems like it's just more of a way to get the public to accept the idea. The public really doesn't have much control over the military nowadays. Keeping the public happy is one big goal of the government, anything to cut down the protests. In some cases in the past, the public and the military were synonymous, and if you still live in a country where that's true, then, then I'll give you that point. Man, I belabored this long enough. Let's sum up. As humans... We're never going to agree on religious issues. My hope, however, that we can at least learn to live with each other a little better. Maybe rather than simply tolerate each other, we could respect each other and maybe even work our way up to like. I mean, if you're going to mistrust, dislike, or hate someone, fine. But make sure you mistrust, dislike, or hate them for the right reasons. And make sure you're mistrusting, disliking, and hating the right person. People who disagree with you have actual reasons for it. Wow! You obviously disagree with those reasons, but it makes sense to them just like your reasons make sense to you. In addition, when you dislike something, make sure you direct it at the actual people responsible. Don't read an article about some nuts trying to teach Noah's Flood in math class and say, stupid Christians. Instead, say, those are some stupid Christians. And then slap yourself because they might not be stupid at all. I've actually directed this episode at atheists, and I'm one of them. For one thing, I doubt too many followers of God listen to my warbling. But too often I hear atheists being just as close-minded as the religious people they shun. I, I know a Christian fundamentalist and a, uh, an atheist fundamentalist. Is that, is that a valid phrase? Anyway, they both oppose each other's ideas, but if you ask them to describe their weekly routine, man, they share a lot more than they differ. Atheists are good at saying they like to question everything. Well, maybe your beliefs on church members are wrong. Maybe they're not the evil, misguided creatures you think they are. If you've heard my past episodes, this viewpoint may be a little odd to you. Am I going soft? Possibly. But aside from any personal coital problems, I recognize that you can never change someone's mind about religion. They have to change it themselves. We're all different, and until you can perfect a bomb that only kills people that disagree with you, or become a hermit, you're going to have to live with everyone else. People might not be as stupid as you give them credit. They might have very good reasons for their beliefs, and maybe you're the one who's stupid for not being able to at least see, if not agree, with their reasons. Whenever my instinct is to say that someone is stupid for something, I immediately ask myself, why did that person do that? If for no other reason, then you're never going to win an argument with someone if you don't understand their viewpoint. Now, I'll point out that I put a Satanist in the earlier part of this episode to show that there are not two sides to every coin, but as many sides as there are parties. Hey, everyone loves Samuel Clemens. What would he say right about now? Possibly. 
If the man doesn't believe as we do, we say he's a crank and that settles it. I mean, it does nowadays because we can't burn him. Visit our website at logicallycritical.com. Send feedback to podcast at logicallycritical.com.